I was speaking to the mayor of New York earlier. They've got 3,000 migrants being bussed to New York every day, arriving in this city every day. They have to house them. They have to provide food for them. You know, they have a hotel the size of this hotel, have ballrooms the size of these ballrooms where they just have cots, but they're getting filled every day. Welcome to the Green Hour, a community of innovators, activists, and government leaders in the world of sustainability. Each week, you will hear from a leader in sustainability to help unlock your mind to a greener future. Hey guys, I'm Preston Pogue, and we are live in New York City at the Concordia Annual Summit with Concordia co-founder and chairman Nick Logothetis. On this episode, you will hear a tale of entrepreneurship that goes far beyond just creating a business. This entrepreneur, along with his best friend, created a beacon of social impact. From starting an after-school snack business in high school to creating the largest nonpartisan forum alongside the United Nations General Assembly, identifying problems and finding solutions are intertwined in Nick's story. In this episode, we will discuss Concordia's commitment to sustainability, showcasing their eco-friendly practices, partnerships, and the policy-driven approach they embrace. Furthermore, we discuss the role of businesses in addressing the refugee crisis in the context of climate change and how sustainable practices can make a difference economically and environmentally. Turn on the news and you will see natural disasters destroying communities on every continent. In China, flooding caused the evacuation of 880,000 people. In Libya, a flood took the lives of 5,000 people and caused 10,000 to go missing. And here in the U.S., in Maui, Hawaii, a wildfire took the lives of 97 people and caused around $5 billion in damages. It seems like every year we are seeing more and more natural disasters around the world. And with natural disasters comes displacement of communities and people. The refugee crisis is not only an international issue, but it is an issue inside the United States as well. Climate-related disasters are moving people out of their local communities and into places like New York City. In the past year, New York City has seen the arrival of 100,000 refugees due in part of climate-related disasters. The city is doing everything it can to provide shelter and care for these people, and it is said to have cost the city around $5 billion in the past year. So what can be done to help the refugee crisis? It all comes down to businesses' involvement. Joining us on the Green Hour today is someone who cares deeply about this issue and has helped to create programs to bring leaders together to discuss solutions around the issue. Nick Logothetis is the co-founder and chairman of Concordia, a global convener of heads of state, government officials, C-suite executives, and leaders of nonprofits, think tanks, and foundations to find cross-sector solutions that address the biggest challenges of our time. The Concordia Annual Summit is the largest and most inclusive nonpartisan forum alongside the UN General Assembly. And Concordia also hosts regional summits with a focus on the Americas, Amazon, 
United States, Europe, and Africa. In 2011, when Nick was around my age, he and his best friend Matthew Swift had an idea to bring people together to discuss and find solutions to the biggest challenges of our time. Coming up on the 10th anniversary of 9-11, the two wanted to bring conversation around terrorism. In their first ever summit, they brought President George W. Bush to speak on this very issue. From there, Concordia has continued to grow and has had speakers like Warren Buffett, Bill Clinton, and George Soros at their summits. Nick and Matt wanted to provide a platform for people to discuss the world's most pressing issues, and sustainability has become one of those issues, as has the refugee crisis. As you will hear, Nick's journey into co-founding Concordia has taken many turns, but the one thing that stayed the same was his entrepreneurial spirit. All right, welcome back to the Green Hour. Um, we are sitting here at the Concordia Annual Summit with Concordia's co-founder, um, Nick Logothetis. Thank you so much for joining us and honestly for this opportunity. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So we'll start off. Um, I had I had Matt, um, the other co-founder, on the podcast probably a few months ago, and um, we talked about y'all growing up and in your story and going to boarding school together um, creating the after school snack business and how it led you into the media industry and then into creating Concordia. So I had Matt talk about it, but I kind of want to hear your your thoughts and perspective on on growing up too. So could you talk about you know going to boarding school um, with Matt and then how th- this all came to be with Concordia? Sure. Um, so Matt and I met about twenty years ago, which sounds crazy to say. Um, I'm thirty five, uh, so. You know, it's uh, it just we were at boarding school in 11th grade and we had rooms next door to each other and became sort of friends very quickly. And then, you know, we'd always talked about wanting to start a business um, and uh, we sort of were at an all boys boarding school. And so um, I don't know why we ever decided to go to that school, but, um, you know, we were there and it was an opportunity that presented itself to start a food business. And and so we did that in 11th grade. I'm sorry, we met in 10th grade, um, in 11th grade. And then we, um, you know, uh, it grew and it expanded and it became relatively successful in terms of, you know, having a captive market at the school. And we were asked to take over the, the, the sort of student center of the school um, with like a full kitchen and all that. And so we grew uh, the business and then left and went to college, obviously, but um, and then he went to Georgetown and I went to GW. So we were in the same city, obviously stayed in close touch and um, had a, uh, you know, had always wanted to work together um, when we left college. And just what we did was we thought that it was important 10 years after 9-11 to bring together the business and the government uh, sector in terms of uh, solving issues related to terrorism. So we had our first summit in 2011 um, with maybe 120 people total. Um, And President Bush spoke, and it was uh, sort of the the theme of Concordia and growing, you know, public-private partnerships came from that. 
I think, uh, and I describe Concordia to people, and I'm like, Matt and Nick created this this organization that's grown so much. And I mean, we're sitting here. I think there was 1,500 attendees at this event. Um, 3,200. 3,200. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm, I'm way off. I'm way yeah, off. That's all right. Not, not at one time, but let's say 3,200 registered. Oh wow. So, okay. Um, about 2,900 of those people actually checked in. Right. Right. So. And I tell people, I'm like, they they create this this summit series and their first ever summit. They bring President Bush, and it blows my mind. I mean, how did you do that? Your first ever summit, bringing a president of the United States. How did that happen? Um, you know, uh, so <clears throat> Concordia has a policy of not paying its speakers. So we uh, have never paid speakers, with one exception, which just was President Bush. So we had a um, we had a uh, a donor who kindly offered to help you know uh, bring him to the summit. Now that wasn't you know he gets lots of requests that he denies, and so I think what we you know it made sense for him to come back to New York on the tenth anniversary of nine eleven, um, and um, you know I think uh, we had a number of people that we knew who were around him, and and we decided to you know make a go for it, and he accepted our invitation. Um, but there was that payment issue, <laughs> which we, we haven't done since. And I think that's, you know, really important, uh, that, you know, that, that, that the policy stays in place because people ask us all the time, right? People are like, you know, I won't come unless you pay me. And I say, it's, right. it doesn't happen that much often. People want to come anyway, but, um, we're like, sorry, sorry, you won't be able to make it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, it's a massive platform for the speakers, 3,200 people in attendance, and the one thing that we've all talked about is we're you're surrounded by people that are doing real are, are making real impact in the world. I mean, yesterday we're sitting in on a conversation on governance with with Meta, with Booking.com, and with Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. We also listened to the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, and she's talking about AI and how that's going to transition in the future. She's talking about issues related to Russia and China. And to be in the audience and just Honestly, be be ten yards away from people like this is incredible. So Concordia, what you've done and what you and Matt have both have done is remarkable. Um, so for our listeners, they have a baseline of Concordia from Matt's episode. Um, but could you walk them back through Concordia and um, what the mission is, and then what what your work is throughout the year, not just with the annual summit, but with all of the other summits that you host? Sure. Um, so uh, Concordia, at its premise, was started as an organization to promote public-private collaboration. So promote businesses working more efficiently uh, efficiently with governments and NGOs. And it was originally focused on counterterrorism, right, in that first year. But then it sort of grew beyond that to a more generalized focus. Um, And, you know, uh, in in terms of the annual summit, uh, this is our 13th. Um, You know, we, we... Obviously, had 120 people at our first one, probably about 400 at our second one. Sort of grew from there. And I think our peak was right before COVID in 2019, we had about 4,500 people. Um, and so it's slowly building up to where it was. Um, obviously, in 2020 and 2021, we, we you know, 2021, we had our uh, a summit here at the Sheraton in New York. It was the first event that this hotel had hosted since COVID in September 2021. And, you know, we had testing, we had everything, um, but it was still only about 550 people. Everyone was wearing masks. It was a strange, you know, gathering. 
Um, but, you know, it was important for us to get that done. Uh, since the founding, we've also done other, you know, summits throughout the year. Um, I think the, the the longest running sort of regional initiative that we have is is the America Summit, um, which uh, has been hosted uh, in Colombia and in Miami. Uh, in the past couple of years, it's been in Miami in partnership with the University of Miami, which is makes me wonder why I never applied to the University of Miami when I was in college, because it's a pretty amazing campus if you've never been there. Um, and it's, you know, it's in April, it's in Miami, everyone loves Miami, everyone loves to be there in April. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's I think, a favorite of a lot of people. Um, then we also, you know, have different strands. We have the European initiative that we do. Uh, we, last uh, event there was in Spain in um, July. Uh, and then we have the Amazon Summit and, uh, the, Amer- uh, and the United States Summit. Um, so we really work throughout the year. And it's not, you know, the summits, are sort of, there are some people who say, well, what do you get done at these events? And, you know, there's nothing tangible that comes out of it. I couldn't disagree more with that in the sense that so much of what, especially post-COVID, people are desperate to, you know, for social interaction. And from that comes projects, relationships, partnerships. I mean, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of them that have been born at Concordia. Not, not fostered by us there's we have many that we you know formally do but there's informally so many relationships that are born here and as a result of that positive impact yeah i can say just from our experience i mean our our team of three here just the conversations that we've had over the last three days and the, the networking that we've done with people in three days has been remarkable i mean what i've learned just from talking to people on the podcast from having different conversations is going to help me as I continue the podcast, going to help me in my job. So, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. People might say, what do you get done? But I think it really is on the individual, like coming into this. Right. Like, what what are you looking to get out of this? Because yes. you, you present the information, you give them everything that they need, and it's like, okay, what are you going to take um, back with you wherever you go? Yeah, no, that, that's – I'm glad to hear that because that's what we try to do. And I think an important differentiator for Concordia, uh, for some other, let's say – gatherings uh, of the same size or prestige is that we really focus on bringing together interested parties. And I I say that generally speaking, meaning an interested party could be a head of state, of which we have close to 15 sitting heads of state this year. Um, It could be a student um, who is just looking to contribute to their uh, countries. Uh, I just met like six Panamanian students uh, who had come to Concordia because they were invited by an organization and we sort of covered their ticket costs. One of them was in dental school. One of them was in, you know, um, uh, business school. And and so I think it's really important that we keep a focus on making sure that those voices are not ever diminished within Concordia. We always want to have the presidents, the CEOs. They're great. You know, we love them. But we also want to have the student or the, you know, anywhere from middle school through um, through university, anywhere in the world. And so that's something I, I'm particularly proud of. Yeah, I've seen, uh, we actually haven't been able to attend any of the segments on Young Voices, but I know that Young Voices, the segment, has been a really big thing for Concordia this year. Yeah. And it's really cool because you're bringing people, I mean, maybe those people you're talking about were, were one of the guest speakers, I, I don't remember exactly, but... You're bringing these people, young voices together to talk about issues, talk about issues where they live. 
and it gives different perspective because we all love to hear CEOs talk. We love we love to hear heads of state, but the youth are the ones that are going to be driving the future. Um, right. So, so I love that Concordia does that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, and, and it's something that you know it, it's relatively simple to say, as you said, the youth drive, but it's it couldn't be more true. Um, I was just standing backstage with the president of Paraguay, um, who I was about to interview, uh, and we were right before uh, one of the, those youth panels, or right after one of those youth panels, and I was watching, and he was watching, and it was it was fascinating. It was the, the I, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm not exactly sure who they were, but they were somehow associated with the city of New York, young ambassadors. Um, and you know, when they came off stage, I was like, this is the president of Paraguay, uh, you know, and there, these are like students and, you know, it's, it, that's a pretty incredible, uh, interaction for them and for him. Right. Um, and so it, it, it was great. Um, yeah. So, um, one of the segments, I mean, you talked about Concordia was founded on the 10th anniversary of 9-11. You focused on, on terrorism. What was your first segment? But as you've grown, you've gotten, you've gotten into more segments. And one of those is sustainability or environmental um, action and sustainability. Um, and we're obviously a sustainability podcast. And we've learned a lot just from listening to these speakers on sustainability, a range of companies. I mean, we just talked to a mining company, a, a large, really large mining company, We've talked to organizations like the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, we've heard AT&T, CSO talk. So you have a, a wide range of speakers in all different forms of sustainability. So, I mean, I, I guess I would ask you, this segment on sustainability, when did this start for Concordia and how do you approach it? Yeah, uh, thank you. I mean, I think, you know, if you're an organization that is uh, dedicated to dealing with pressing global issues, it's simply cannot uh be that you don't have a significant amount of your time dedicated to sustainability and that you know became clear a number of years ago and so we've slowly shifted in that direction um what i think is important for us is to be a neutral platform that uh different sides feel like they can uh, use to have a dialogue and that can be from a political perspective. Uh, you know, we're neither a uh, right nor left organization. We have been accused of being both, but we're 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 not. Um, we work very hard at that, and so people from different political persuasions feel comfortable coming to us because there's not going to be a slant on it one way or another. Um, but also, I think that's you know some of these sustainability topics can get, um, let's say, heated. And uh, there are people who are very passionate about it, who in some cases believe that dialogue should not occur and that this or that organization or industry should just do what they want. And we don't believe in that. We believe in a, in a you know, a, a really in promoting a dialogue between uh, companies, between organizations, between, you know, NGOs. And so I think that's, that's what we try to keep a focus on. It, and one thing that I was talking to, um, to to both the guys on our team about, I think it was yesterday too, was of all the the talks that we've listened to, the environment is almost intertwined in in it all. I mean, even when Matt was interviewing the Turkish president, there's a whole segment on the environment, and I, I think people will start to, if they haven't already realized, they'll start to realize that it is intertwined in everything, not just in business, but also in government. Yeah, I, I was doing an interview yesterday with AT&T, actually, for their um, uh, 
you know, they're one of our partners and they asked the same question. I, I gave that answer. I think it is intertwined in everything. And whether people realize it or not, um, every sort of, I mean, when I, back to the Paraguay thing, one of the questions um, I asked him was, what is he most pr proud about, about Paraguay? And he said, you know, we are 100% renewable country. We get all of our power from hydroelectric. I, I didn't know that. I mean, um, you know, and so it's, it's, it's certainly a, a thread within most, if not all, conversations we're having. Right. And um, we were also talking right before this interview about the SDGs, the United Nations mm -hmm. Sustainable Development Goals. And, you know, I was sharing, I was sharing with, with my colleagues that even the company I'm working in now, we have specific targets for the SDGs. And I was like, you look at all these companies. I mean, you can pick a company and they're, they're looking at the SDGs and having a plan for it. So I think it's really become not just a conversation, but there's action behind it now. And that's what's really cool. And for Concordia, you're bringing in all of these different topics around in the environment and you're opening up people's minds, which is, which is remarkable. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, in a sense, I think, and I might be wrong about this, but I think that the summer of 2023 will be remembered as uh, maybe the beginning of the climate crisis encroaching upon pretty much everyone's life. Right. If you look at what happened during the summer, the heat waves in this country, um, the floods in Libya, the fires in Greece, uh, the earthquake in Morocco, which is not a climate change thing, but the recovery from it. Um, everywhere you, you looked this summer, there were uh, pretty much undeniably climate change related weather events occurring that, you know, for the most part, have not been thread, threaded together yet. And probably a lot of people will say, well, I, you know, it's, this happened long before, and I'm sure that's the case. But it just it just seemed to me that the summer of 2023 was really, um, uh, a, you know, a focal point. Yeah, I mean, that, that gets me to my next point. When you have these events, um, I'll, I'll touch on the Maui wildfires, for example. Yeah. I mean, just, just horrific what happened there. And what you have is a displacement of, of people um, when this happens. And... You can almost not only displacement, but you almost have a refugee crisis that comes. And I want to touch on on an article that you wrote. Um, this was a 2016 article, so it's seven years ago. So um, this was an entrepreneur. You wrote um, economic vulnerability, climate change, violence, and protracted uh, conflict have displaced nearly 65.3 million people in the world. That's equivalent to the population of, of France. Um, so I want to talk about the business's role in addressing the refugee crisis with these climate events that have happened um, and how businesses can really take a role in that. Yeah, I mean, I had forgotten to mention the, the wildfires in Maui there. You know, that, that was a horrendous uh, set of circumstances. And I'm originally from Greece, which you may know from my last name. Um, and in Greece, this happens every year and it's been getting progressively worse. Uh, every, you know, if it was like a five out of 10 bad five years ago, every, you know, in the past three years, it's been an eight out of 10. This year it was a nine out of 10. Um, and it just, it, you know, there's no sign of it it's stopping. And so, yeah, I think, you know, Greece, uh, to just focus on Greece for a second has been a, uh, hub for migrants trying to flee war and climate related issues, um, looking for entry into the European Union and has done a lot of important work in, in involving businesses and um, 
you know, and uh, sort of the private sector in terms of uh, its laws, but it's a very difficult issue. Um, it is a very difficult issue. I was speaking to the mayor of New York earlier or yesterday. I mean, he's got, they've got 3,000 migrants being bussed to New York every day, arriving in the city every day. They have to house them. They have to provide food for them. And it's, you know, these are people who are, uh, you know, it, it's just, I, I hadn't really, the press covers it in a certain way that you don't really think of it in, you know, in its, but I mean, every day they have to find that amount of, uh, so they have a, you know, they have a hotel the size of this hotel that they use as a, you know, they have ballrooms the size of these ballrooms where they just have cots, but they're getting filled every day. And so, you know, um, I was standing, I was driving past the vice president's residence in DC the other day and where I live and um, I saw a bus stop and like migrants got out and they'd been bused from Texas and then someone else came and picked them up to drive them to New York. So, I mean, I don't have a good, I don't have a solution uh, for you on this other than to say it's very, very challenging because these, you know, they have families, they're you know, in many, in most cases, very hardworking, good people who just want a better life for themselves. Um, but it's, you know, this is also a city where they have to cover the cost of housing those people and, and feeding them. And, and it becomes very difficult very quickly because then other parts of the budget get affected. And so it's a, you know, it's a tricky one. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge. And, uh, mayor, um, Eric Adams. Yeah, that's yeah, correct. Um, that that's definitely an issue that I, I don't know how you how you solve that. And I would ask you. I mean, we we talked about the private sector a little bit, but as far as Concordia specifically, how does Concordia work to address the refugee crisis? So we, um, you know, back in 2017, uh, we had a summit in Athens, which was in Greece, uh, still is. Um, and, you know, it was, I think one of our most impactful summits because it was in, at the peak of the refugee crisis. And, you know, we brought together different groups to uh, to talk about how best, essentially, business can, can help. Um, but, you know, it's a tricky one because a lot of the issue with the refugee crisis is on the shoulder of government, meaning um, people can't work if they're not allowed to work, right? I mean, they can, but they don't. If they're, so it's only the government that can give permission to work in, in various different places. And um, so we just tried our best, but the, the, the refugee crisis really is, is where business can help on the, business can help on the, on the sidelines in a sense, and, and government really has the, the key driving force. And I think, I think your, your tagline is uh, many voices, one community, yeah. I think. So Concordia is, is providing this platform for people all over the world to come and hear these different talks and refugee, the refugee crisis is one of those, and to understand like at this annual summit, like what's going on. And then they can take the information from what they hear back with them and find solutions. So I think Concordia really, if I think about it, it's like a, like an idea generation hub. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, that's what we, uh, aspire to be. It's, it's, uh, you know, we have a lot of competing priorities, a lot of uh, different topics to to discuss. But um, you know, it's I think turned out well so far. Yeah, and the last point I'll make on the refugee crisis, 
I like to talk about things being full circle. Like we've had conversations on mining um, the last couple of days and talking about, you know, going into the renewable space and, and transitioning to electric vehicles and what you need for that. And what's full circle about that is, you know, getting the materials, getting getting the different materials to put into the batteries, to put in the infrastructure, and then taking that and transitioning in energy. But what's full circle with, with the refugee crisis is you have these climate-related disasters that are displacing people. And it all goes back to what are we doing on a day-to-day basis that is hurting the environment? Whether that is raising, are we are we raising emissions? Um, what's our environmental footprint? So I think we everyone just needs to understand how are you impacting the environment because it comes full circle with climate-related um, events that happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, and I think it is the top of mind for more and more people, let's say, um, every day for the reasons that we discussed before, but also you know, I mean, the U.S. is one country, right? And and there there are many other countries where, um, you know, uh, I just read just before I came in here that the the U.K. has decided to, uh, let's say, push back their own in deadlines for becoming net zero. Um, and so it's it, it's in the dialogue, right, every day, um, and that will only continue, right? Uh, so the momentum is is certainly at its, you know, for this issue is is there. You can't ignore it. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the things that one of the the sort of um, programs that we are, are very proud of is the Amazon Summit. We call it Concordia Amazonas. And, you know, I, I don't know as much about it as I should in the sense of, the, you know, the, the, the science, but the Amazon is such a critical part of the ecology of the world. And uh, there's some pretty frightening statistics out there and about what how much of it is being lost every uh year and what i heard president duque who's the chairman of our um initiative say yesterday in our board meeting is that within five years if we don't stop the deforestation levels the amazon will become a net emitter of uh you know ozone and uh so that's kind of frightening right I mean, right, very the lungs of the world uh, becoming a net emitter of pollution. Not, not, not good. Yeah. No, President Duque has, I mean, we've listened to him on a couple segments while we've been here and talking about the Amazon. And it's been very impactful because we were even talking. I mean, one of our guys was saying, I didn't realize the Amazon was that big, that large, yeah. and we need to conserve it. We need to protect it. The last question I have for you, um, Nick, is. We started this talk talking about how youth are driving the future and how Concordia with with the youth voices segments, you're you're really helping and, and drive that. The last question I have for you is how Concordia engages with young people passionate about sustainability. And I have to admit, we're sitting here right now, we're all twenty-three years old, um, with a dream, um, with with this podcast. And Concordia has opened up the door for us as young people around this issue and something that we're passionate about. So um, maybe I can answer that question that I had for you, how Concordia engages with young people, because you gave us a chance and um, you really helped us grow what we're doing, which is awesome. Well, that's really good to hear. And, you know, we were uh, 23 once and in in a similar position as you. I mean, we when Matt and I first had the idea for Concordia and to start it, a lot of people said this is never going to work. Don't even do it. Like a lot of people. And um, you know, we did it and there were some bumps along the way, but we persevered. And so I, I applaud what you're doing here. It's something you're passionate about and you just have to, you know, you just have to 
you know, push ahead and don't listen to naysayers. And, you know, you'll sort of, uh, sort of reminds me of the story of, you know, from Facebook, like the, the, the Winklevoss twins versus Mark Zuckerberg. Winklevoss twins are like, yeah, it's our idea. Yeah, but Mark Zuckerberg did it. So, you know, you can have an idea, but if you don't do it, uh, it's just an idea in your head. Right. So um, I think that's great. And I'm really happy to hear that we, I can't take any credit for it, of, of, of giving you uh, a chance here, but I'm, uh, I'm very pleased to see that we did and, and wish you the best of luck. The last thing I'll say is, there's a quote that says, ideas without execution is just hallucinating, I guess, or something. I forget, someone famous said that quote, but... <laughs> But thank you so much, Nick, for joining us today on The Green Hour. This has been a great talk, um, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Pleasure. Thank you.